Well, this morning, why do we need to rest and cease from wandering minds? Well, it's because the Lord gave us the example. Probably most of us have never thought about the fact that when Jesus lived, it was not the nice world to live in. So what did Jesus do to his disciples that were constantly barraged? Well, let's turn back to Mark, where we ended last time, chapter 6, before we go to chapter 2. Mark chapter 6. Jesus regularly called his disciples to do something. First, he taught them about Sabbath rest, and he said Sabbath rest is, is made for man to cease and to get away from everything to focus on God. Then he demonstrated in Mark 6.31, and he says, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest. You know what Shabbat or Sabbath or Sabbaton means? It means to cease, stop, or rest. Now, there are many applications. I've been applying it. This is the eighth week I've been applying it, but the concept is this. Most focused this morning, if you want to have a Christian mind, you've got to cease and stop the barrage for a period of time, close the gate, and rest in the truth of God. Now, Jesus and the disciples needed to cease from their labors and rest, and so should we. Our spiritual lives need a time of reflection. We need a time of rest. We need a time of renewal. We need time to refocus back on what we were saved from and saved for. In the past seven weeks, we've learned the New Testament perspective on the Sabbath. I'll just summarize it. Number one, the Lord's Day is not simply the Christian Sabbath, moved from the seventh day to the first. That's unbiblical. Secondly, the Old Testament Mosaic Sabbath day was superseded by the Lord's Day. The early church said Jesus rose on the first day, Sunday, and that became their meeting day and their day of worship. The Catholics didn't do it. You know, a lot of people say, oh, the Catholics did that. The Catholics, well, the Catholics did do it. The Roman Catholics didn't. The early church did it. The Catholic Universal Church of Jesus Christ superseded under the revelation of God the day from Saturday to Sunday. Thirdly, the New Testament character of the Lord's Day was worship. Our Lord's Day ought to be observed as much as possible in the same way. What did they meet on the Lord's Day to do? They met to break bread, to fellowship, to have the teaching of God's word, to worship the risen Christ, to be in the spirit on the Lord's day. That's why they met. Number four, New Testament Christians do not and did not have to follow the Mosaic Sabbath stringent commands to desist from labor and to rest. That command wasn't transferred to the Lord's day. That's why we're not around checking out what everybody's doing on the Lord's day. We're not supposed to check what everybody else is doing. We're supposed to do what God has directed us to do, to seek him, to cease from the blur and to focus on him. And finally, we saw that wise Christians will incorporate a Sabbath rest principle into their observance of the Lord's Day as best they can. Not because the law says it, because the rest principle is noted in our universe. God twice said, I created the world in six days, I rested the seventh. Was he tired? I mean, God, the omnipotent? No, it was a principle for us. And then it says in the Bible in, in Exodus 20 that God took his finger, actually Exodus 19 and 20, and God wrote in stone. You know what one of the sentences God wrote with his own finger? The only time we know of God writing something. He wrote in stone, six days shalt thou labor 
and the seventh shalt thou rest. That's not in stone as a law for us, but it's a, a principle of this universe that God has built rest into the cycle. And there's a Genesis rhythm to life which, if observed, will benefit us physically and spiritually. Well, the rest God commends is a ceasing from the blur of daily life, a pausing and a resting in God by a focused time of seeking him. What does it do? It rivets our minds back on him. Now, the question to see if we need this is, does your mind by default go back to God? Now, those of you that have computers know what I mean. Computers are really interesting boxes that have a program inside, and we get to alter them a little bit, but every so often we alter them too much, and they get mixed up, and they freeze up, and we go, you know, all delete, whatever it is. I know where they are, but you hit those three keys and start, or most people just turn it off and turn it back on. You know what it does? It defaults back to its original settings, which were built into it. When God gives us a new heart, he gives us a new default setting so that when our lives get frazzled, we go back to him. Do your mind, thoughts, attentions, desires default back to God? Colossians 3.1, do you set your affection on things above? Do you seek the things which are above? Especially the busier, the hectic, the more, the more inundated with the wickedness of the media. Does that draw your heart toward God? If not, then you need to practice a Sabbath cessation from all that stuff that's getting your attention and get back into this book. Well, what are the benefits of the rewards of this Godward mind, a mind that stayed on the Lord, a mind that's renewed, fixed on the king above? Well, it's beyond description. The Bible says this, Isaiah 26.3, it's a perfect peace, a tranquility as we go through life. doesn't mean we never have problems. We have more problems. We have our flesh problems. We have spiritual problems. We have everything. But a perfect peace through all those problems. Embodied by, do you remember when Paul and, and Silas were down in the prison? What were they doing? Singing. With their backs bleeding, with their feet stretched out in stocks, in great pain, with all the infection and everything down in that filthy, vile prison, they were worshiping God. Isaiah 48, 18 says, God's peace would be like a river in our life. Jesus said this in Matthew 11, come to me when you're heavy laden. Let me give you rest. What do most people have trouble with? Their emotions. God says, I'll give you rest for your souls. That's an indescribable benefit of having our mind fixed on the Lord. Well, we're concluding our study of the Sabbath. We saw the purpose of the Sabbath. It was made for man. The promises of the Sabbath. God says, I'll delight you. Sabbath laws were not under them. Sabbath blessings, as we apply this to our life, they are countless. We've seen Sabbath thieves, things that rob us, legalism, being Sabbath snoopers on other people, and lots of other stuff. But this morning, why do we need a Sabbath rest? And in seven or eight minutes, I'm going to tell you how. So hold on, okay? The exhausting pace of our lives wears down our Godward mind. Most of us, the Lord's Day, would be the best day to rest because Christianity's past influence on our culture has made the weekend what the time is most people have off. So as Christians, we ought to make the most of it. And we should forget our regular labors and focus on things that recreate our bodies. You say, in our minds, in our souls. What is that? Well, recreation nowadays in 21st century America is hedonistic pleasure pursuit. I mean, people, they've got to be doing all kinds of stuff, and they're exhausted. Monday morning, they walk in like this because they were at the lake all weekend, just worn out. Do you know what recreation really was originally? Recreation. 
creation. It was having a day of the week where you could spend a long time at a meal, talking to your family, getting to know people in an unhurried way. I recently addressed a group of parents, and I said, you know what would be neat for you to take a two-hour time at your meal and spend time reading the Word and, and in front of your children, blessing your wife scripturally, and then praying over each one of your children. And someone came up to me immediately when I got done, and they looked at me and they said, my family could never do that. We could never eat for two hours. Never. Do you know the definition of family has changed? In God's Word, a family was a group of people who shared their lives. Today, a family is a group of people who live in isolation in the same house. 58% of all young people have a television in their room. What a horrible thing. So they get to choose between you and the TV. Which do you think is more interesting? Which do you think is easier to talk to? Not you. You might disagree with them. The television. You see what we've done? We have a group of people living in a house that don't share life together. They don't even share meals together. Finally, not only do we need rest because of the exhausting pace of the world, that wears down the Godward mind. But the inescapable media of our world is constantly neutralizing our Godward mind. It seems like most movies are continuing their slide in the direction of violence, nudity, objectionable language. Most blockbuster movies have to have all three. And the tendency in this direction doesn't even elicit a yawn in our culture. It's like, let it go. But I'd like to conclude with two things. Number one, I'd like to read to you what a dear pastor, uh, Kent Hughes, in Chicago, told his congregation a while back when he was preaching through Colossians. And I bumped into this, and I love it. He said this. I agree with him. I'll quote him. I am aware of the wise warning to never use words like all, every, and always. It's always bad to absolutize your pronouncements. But I'm going to do it anyway, he said. Here it is. It's impossible for any Christian who spends the bulk of their evenings, month after month, and week upon week, day in and day out, watching the major TV networks or contemporary videos to ever maintain a Christian mind. It's like you get it started and you neutralize it. You get it started and you neutralize it. You get it started and you neutralize it. I'm not talking about what we're exposed to just living life. I'm talking about what we choose to look at. Paul said, Philippians 2.1, let Christ's mind be in you. Colossians 3.16, let Christ's word dwell in you. Romans 12.1 and 2, present your mind to God to renew. What's the goal? Cultivating the mind of Christ. What's the scandal? Christians neglect this area immensely. What's the cure? Well, it's available this morning. Plan how to saturate your mind with the word. Do you remember Paul's list in Colossians 3? 13 stops, 12 starts. Let me read to you, just to close, a list of how to recover your Godward mind, ways to return to our rest in Jesus, written by the navigators. Dawson Trotman starred this group of people that memorized the Bible, and they're a big discipleship group, and they're all over the world. The navigators published this list. I thought it was great. This is a list. It's not laws. It's a list of guidelines, they put it, and I thought they were fantastic. Number one, guard against media constituting your only barrier to loneliness. You know what God says? I will be with you always, even to the end of the earth. I am your God, and, and look to me. And you know what people say? I'm, I'm so lonesome, I've got to watch TV. And they... That's their companion, the media. 
instead of the God of the universe who said, I'll never leave you or forsake you, and lo, I am with you always. You say, but I can't see him, and he's not in color. You know what I mean? It, 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 he'll make it in color in your mind. Number two, establish media limits. You know, it's okay to have a television. I mean, we're not, we're not iconoclast and believe we should pile them all up in the parking lot and smash them with sledgehammers and pour kerosene and burn them. But the test is, can you discipline yourself to not watch it for periods of time? This is what the navigators say. Establish a media limit. No TV allowed till homework chores are done. Maximum seven hours a week. Limit the number of channels. Beyond television, limit Nintendo, Sega, Walkman, Internet. See, see if you can live without media. Most people can't. You turn off the, the, the tunes and you turn off the TV and you turn off the games and you don't let them pop a movie in when you're gone and they just, the boredom level has been reset too. People are bored in 30 seconds if there's not something happening. Number three, have non-electric children's parties. You ever thought of having a party without a movie or a video game or the arcade? Number four, resist advertisements. Try it. Don't wear the most modern things. Have, don't have the newest gizmo. When everyone says, have you upgraded to the G53? You say, what is it? And why do you need it? You know, I mean, you know, zap the set. I mean, turn it off. We have a rule. If they do something objectionable, we won't watch the rest of it. It's their fault. They offended us. That's a good way. Um, fast from the media. All through God's word, the notion of, of fasting occurs. Media, perhaps, is the most important kind of fast. Have a no television week or better, a month. Don't listen to the news for a week. Pray in your car instead of listening to the radio or even music. I mean, you can pray out loud. Talk to God. And then if somebody's in the car, talk with them about God. Wow, what an idea. Re regain the control of the value system of your family. If, if you do not know what your children are listening to and watching, then you have lost control of the value system of your home. Hate evil. God says, hate it. And, and let those that name the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Not go toward it and pay to get it. Depart, God says. Substitute soothing music. You know, everybody has different views on music, but listen to that which calms your spirit. That's the biblical purpose of music, to calm your spirit. And to let your spirit be lifted in worship. Encourage reading. Do family things. And their list is great. What's the bottom line? God wants to have our mind. Our busy schedules and the onslaught of media erode a Godward mind. God says, then set aside time, come away from everything, and focus on me.